Welcome to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And, and we, we're joined this week by Jess. <laughs> so Hello. In the past, we have done, uh, usually, mm-hmm. and today is probably a... Hangover episode. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's probably our first ever Can Queer hangover episode. Because last night we had a Rocky Horror viewing party. Mm-hmm. I have not seen Rocky Horror in at least ten years, probably twenty. Mm-hmm. Definitely so. been a hot minute for me as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely forgot a few things. I mean, and it's 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 a queer classic. Oh yeah, really is. We watched it for Halloween, which is now long gone. Um, for those listening, mm. um, but yeah. What jumped out at me, you know, we're talking about the 70s here with, you know, when this film came out Mm -hmm. and it is so unabashedly, I mean, it's very wink, wink, nudge, nudge, but you do get Frankenfurter in the bed with Brad. Oh, yes. Um, Oh, is it Chad? Brad. Brad. (laughs) Okay. Um, Avengers, come on. Get yeah, and then also with uh, with Rocky. Although I mean, I wouldn't turn down Rocky. Paper bag, maybe, but I wouldn't turn down. I wouldn't turn down Rocky. Um, but yeah, it really jumped out at me at just how obviously queer oh, yeah. it was, you know. And I think that uh, now you say that, but the thing that made you clutch your pearls the most, you were actually taken aback by how young meatloaf was <laughs> i was yes i i saw him um a few years ago now we should also add by the way that to the pairing that we had with our rocky horror movie was yeah i made the meatloaf meatloaf and hot dogs yeah yeah and frankenfurters <laughs> yeah exactly i mean we went all in on the theme uh, didn't dress up though um and which we is... filled up on cheese and couldn't even eat the meatloaf and hot dogs i know but the meatloaf was good yeah. that's anyway that's enough about our uh, our uh, entertaining evening um there is a lot of gay news i'm gonna have to work my way through a cup of coffee for today's show mm-hmm. um but lots of gay things happened uh sebastian what are you what do you have that's that's queer topic-y for us to kick off with. I mean, do we want to start heavy or do we want to start ridiculous? Let's start ridiculous. Let's talk about the Toronto Condo Board. Yeah, that is insane. So just uh, to give the context here, the Ontario Human Rights Commission has accepted a discrimination allegation against a Toronto Condominium Board. And the Toronto Condominium Board... Uh, seems to be referring to a line that lots of condos have, mm-hmm. which is the single-family uh, residence yeah. requirement. So this is a relevant thing here because there's one condo board in specific that is in front of the Human Rights Court, but this could change how all condo boards operate from, well, I'm not going to say from now on, but definitely in, in Ontario, and almost definitely in the Toronto area. It's a rule that... If you're a 60s suburbanite who's deciding to buy a box in the sky instead of a, a single-family home in the suburbs, like, it's the kind of thing that would have made sense at the time, but it was phrased in a way that is accidentally homophobic. And the general idea is that a condo must contain one family. So if you're living there with roommates, that's two families, because you're not married, you're not blood, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, two cousins don't count. And certainly not an unmarried gay couple. Now, the mm-hmm. thing is, weirdly enough, if you're a married gay couple with kids, then you're a single family residence, and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, the general idea is the assumption that multifamily homes tend to be more noisy. Yeah. Um, but, like, families can have parties. I've been, actually, I've been to Jess's parties, and they get pretty, 
pretty loud sometimes. Depends if your uncle's there. That's true. Um, also your brother. But yeah, there was some, CTV looked into this, CTV Toronto, mm-hmm. and they found that there were cases where two women, same-sex uh, female couples, yep. were essentially forced out of their condos mm-hmm. because they weren't married. Uh, the cases about a gay couple that were forced out because they weren't married. Mm-hmm. And it just seems so ridiculous, you know, in every other area of law, common law yeah. is is sufficient. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet for this, they require marriage, which is even more ridiculous when you mm-hmm. consider the fact that gay marriage in Canada hasn't been legal for oh so long. And not every homosexual couple is of a Christian persuasion and want to get married. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It's It's so... It beggars belief that this is a situation we're seeing in 2022. Or some other religious belief that has marriage. But the this is one of those stories where I don't think the rule was intended to be exclusionary and homophobic. But when somebody pointed out, hey, by the way, this excludes unmarried same-sex couples who are in long-term relationships, nobody said, oh, we should amend this. And it's it's kind of like homophobia by negligence. I would be curious to see if there's any cases of a heterosexual couple. I was just going to ask, uh, does this apply to like common law for heterosexual as well? Mm-hmm. Not everybody gets married in general. So yeah. It's like... yeah. You know, you might be in your 50s or 60s, maybe you're widowed or you've just, you know, you've been divorced mm-hmm. and then you're on your, your new lifetime partner. Yeah. Um, are you getting kicked to the curb because, uh, you know, you're not married? This is, it's, and this is housing. This is people's homes. During and, a, a housing shortage. Yeah. And yeah. furthermore, this is in Toronto yeah. where you have to, you know, mortgage a cat to be able to afford, um, you know. Mortgage a cat. I, I was know. about I was to good. say, can I do that? I've, I've not. <laughs> I had a full cup of coffee, so mortgage the cat was not the way I meant. But I mean, unless mortgage the family horse, then I'd be like, yeah, Yeah. horses are expensive. For some reason, I was thinking, you know, sell shares and De Beers or something. But uh, the the whole point is, unless you have a massive nest egg, yeah. There was another story recently last week about um, Toronto families are giving their offspring. Uh, roughly $300,000 on average to buy a new Toronto home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I read the same thing, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this isn't this isn't a small issue. You know, it's... Yeah. it's. I think for me what jumps up most is... And there was a great clip where CTV interviewed a man and he's like, you know, I thought this was all done with the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. And, yeah. and you mentioned, like, the 80s. Like, we thought this was put to bed in the 80s. Mm. Um, but no, if uh, unless you're married to the one you're in bed with, mm-hmm. you could find yourself kicked to the curb. It's really, you know, it's it's, it's really peculiar. It's also peculiar that it took this long. Yeah, like where did they find? Did like someone was just like cleaning up a filing cabinet and they found this thing and they're like, or it's, it's probably like, why is it coming up again? Or it's a bylaw because this is one of the things about or somebody boards. got kicked out. They have a lot of bylaws, and a lot of them are on the books for ages and ages and ages, and a lot of them are not uh, enforced. There are basically people in the building don't like one person in particular, and then they scrounge through the bylaws to see if there's yeah. something they can hit them with, and then they realize there's something that's, you know, they use that law to get that person out of the building, and then now everyone's reminded that this law exists that could get two-thirds of them out of the building because... yeah. They all have, I don't know, window-mounted air conditioners, and you're not supposed to do that, or something like that. So yeah. it's... 
I don't know. I think what they may have done is they may have just tried to kick out the wrong homosexual couple. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a particular homosexual couple, and that's like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but at the same time, what makes me pause in this story is sure, this one homosexual couple took them to the Ontario Human Rights Court, mm. but how many people have been turfed out of their homes? Yeah. For not being married, it's it is or denied housing or denied yeah. you know the, the the ability to purchase the condo, yeah it's not a great story but we'll be keeping an eye on the Ontario Human Rights Commission to see how it progresses. Mm. I am pretty confident that they will strike this down because Actually, it's ridiculous. It vaguely reminds me of a story from a couple of years ago, um, where in Vancouver, because of the the rising housing costs out there, there's a whole bunch of mansions that weren't being lived in. Because the millionaires had to, like, scale back to something with only four bathrooms. Oh, the travesty. So, uh, <laughs> groups of couples were getting together and splitting the mortgage, like, nine ways. And at the time, the city of Vancouver was scandalized by this. Like, it, it's an entire home, but more than one family lives there. Oh, dear God. But, like, you know, this family gets... The second story of this wing, yeah, and that family like the gets wing. the first story yeah. of the the pool house. Just drain the pool, and you can convert it into a thing. And it's, I remember the story, and and it was one of the stories where the real story was the fact that it was a story mm. that people were freaking out that families were getting together and splitting a mansion eight ways, and it's kind of the same thing of like people have this very like. 1950s leave it to beaver kind of perception of what a family looks like and what the contents of a home looks like and then they just lose it when people step outside do you think we could get eight people together and buy a mansion it's interesting you say that because the uh rico the the real estate um people yeah um they and uh, some others i was listening to a a front burner article about uh, the housing market in Canada mm. um, podcast not article and they were talking about how there is a growing trend in non-family purchases of properties mm. where essentially you know for example you two have lived together and rented you know homes yeah we lived together but, for like seven years or something. yeah exactly and, and a lot time. of people are you know getting their friends that you know maybe they're renting with and they're like why don't we just buy yeah mm-hmm. And, you know, we build up equity through the mortgage. As long as you're very clear, you know, buyout or end clauses. It's like a pseudo prenup. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's essentially a prenup for, you know, when things <coughs> if, if things go wrong. And they're seeing a big spike in mm. people kind of joining together to purchase larger properties. Yeah. Um, because the, the rental market is now on the same footing as, as mortgage rates that yeah. are, you know, for the same size. Well, I except mean, for like, the down payment. Houses change over time in general, right? Yeah. Like, not the white picket fence world didn't exist before, like, the 50s. <laughs> like, I don't know, we're just moving forward. Yeah, that was the, uh, oh, what was it called? The streetcar suburb era of <laughs> history, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We have a few of those here in Ottawa. They're nice, walkable neighborhoods. We mm-hmm. really need to go back to them. Mm-hmm. But anyway... But yeah, we'll keep an eye on this story as it develops. Now, there is another Canadian story that has been in the news. This one is interesting because on the one hand, I am on the sand side of trans folks. Um, well, let me step back. <laughs> the Justice Minister for Quebec, Simon Jolin Barret, right. has introduced Bill 2 
and uh, it it changes a whole bunch of things about the civil code in Quebec. Mm -hmm. And one of the things it does is it will create on both certificates a gender identity and a sex. Okay. And the only way you can change the sex is through surgery. Okay. Uh, which would make Quebec the only province or territory in the entire country that requires surgery to have civic documentation updated for trans people. Okay. And the concern from trans folks is, is that in order to have an accurate driver's license or health card or passport, mm -hmm. they're going to have to undergo surgery that they may not want mm. just to satisfy the Quebec Bloc Québécois Bill 2 requirements. So if they have separate sex and gender, why don't they just put like your... Well, first of all, I mean, we've had this debate before. You don't need to put gender on, a, on your ID cards because really you just have a picture. Do you look like this picture or do you not look like this picture? Um indicating M or F, like your height is more interesting than M or F because you can find someone who vaguely looks like you who can like borrow your ID and try to get into bars or whatever. But are they your same height? Are they, do they have the yeah. same eye color? Like that kind of thing is more um, identifying than gender is because it is very easy um, to just get somebody, get a drag queen friend and be like, can I borrow some wigs and can you do my makeup so I look convincing and like gender is very easy to adapt mm. that's kind of the the glory of it whereas like you can't really fake your height well i mean you, you can get those things that you put in your shoes to make yourself a bit taller but oh heels yeah yeah but um yeah, i don't know like if they have separate sex and gender on documentation which is actually a very interesting thing especially if it's private and the only people who can get access to your biological sex is medical staff because i've said this before like I will defend that your biological sex is relevant to the medical For world. For healthcare, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. that's about it. Other than that, it's nobody's business and your gender like, is what's the public Yeah, if all your Yeah, if your gender just was what everything fell yeah. under, that would be fine. But that yeah, yeah. doesn't sound like it's the case. They do everything well, by the sex. I think if the... Like your license and all these yeah. things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think if, if the province of Quebec introduced um, ID tags, that uh, ID documentation that only had gender... Yeah. I can see that not being an issue yeah. until you hit passports where they would need to have the surgery in order to change the sex mm. because Canada has sex passports. However, Canada does have the, Canada does have the option of X yes. um, on passports. Although the trick with passports is that other countries need to recognize it. Because mm -hmm. yeah. if, if you're in like, I don't know, somewhere in Bahrain yeah, and you're trying to get home from there and you're like, this says M, you don't look like an M to me. Or well, if it says X. Yeah. Like the United States issued their first X yeah. passport last week. Um, and it made me think, I mean, I think it's great that you your legal documentation can better reflect who you are. Mm. But will the customs agents in Spain or Portugal or Italy, when you're traveling back and forward, will they know what the heck? Will US custom agents, yeah. when you come back, realize that this is a valid document yeah um i don't know i think i i think in canada because it's the passport is federal you can probably get it changed yeah. without having to comply with the sex change surgeries yeah um but this this requirement about the surgeries is it just like any surgery like can you go for like a tra tracheal shave or top surgery or like does that count or is it like specifically bottom surgery it has to be 
like I don't have the details on exactly what kind of surgery it is, um, but yeah, I believe it's it's sex change surgery. Because is what a they're looking lot for. of trans people do not choose to do that. Like I, I've met many many trans women who are like, it's not common, but it is possible that if they're doing bottom surgery, they nick a nerve and you never feel your genitals again. Yeah, they're usually pretty good about it. It's a risk they don't want to take. And in their mind, it's not necessary. And a lot of trans men are like, bottom surgery for trans men is still a butcher show. It's it's not great. And a lot of people are like, it's probably not going to be worthy of getting during my lifetime. So they're just going to live without it. So it's, I can understand. There's a lot of trans people who choose to not have bottom surgery because it's, it's very difficult. It doesn't have a 100%, you know, uh, success rate. And, they're kind of apprehensive about it. So I get that. It, it, but like usually if you're talking about like trans men, top surgery is the, the, the primary surgery. Is that sufficient? Like, I don't know. It's the whole law. It needs to be very clear about what it's asking for. And it needs to be sure that what it's asking for is something that's realistic. Exactly. Well, we'll keep an eye on Bill 2 as it progresses through Quebec. Can I just say it's weird to see a bill coming out of somewhere in Canada that is not triple digits? <laughs> well, I mean, you say that. It's but... usually like Bill 112, Bill 263. Yeah. yeah. Just Bill 2, like that sounds. Well, um, C10 was uh, the... Uh, was the one that added gender identity, gender mm. expression. So just very quick primer, because uh, we're going to jump to a song. Um, with every new parliament or every new uh, assembly of the province, yeah. they start back at zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after every election, the bills go back to zero, and then it's in order of when they're introduced. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just... Oh, Bill, I did not know that. Bill 1 has never been interesting enough to get into the news. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bill 1 is often kind of just procedural. You know, it's just, you know, opening of parliament. Or we hereby acknowledge that we're going to follow the rules. Yeah, we, we hereby acknowledge that we're here now. Okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is... Is End of Time by Andrea Romolo, uh, an incredible Canadian folk uh, music award nominee, born in Toronto to Italian uh, immigrant parents. This is a nice slow song, which is very in in the vibe of uh, our, uh, our current our, state, yeah, our current oh, yeah. state. <laughs> and we will be back just after this. Don't trip on a 
welcome back to Canqueer, home of Canada's Queer Major. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And I'm Jess. And uh, what was really interesting, you know, we talked about, uh, we, we talked the Superman story to death. Oh, yes. But when I was talking to my mother uh, recently, mm -hmm. and she was saying, you know, why is it that, you know, being gay is suddenly everybody's business? You know, so-and-so, uh, we were talking about Carl Nassib, who was the first NHL player, uh, not NHL, NFL player to come out as gay, mm -hmm. um, which is astonishing when you think of the tens of thousands of professional NFL players that there have been mm -hmm. that, you know, statistically speaking. Also the rampant rumors of secret gays in mm -hmm. the NFL. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I wanted to bring up, uh, you know, I said to my mother at the time, you know, is the issue isn't necessarily that they're gay or not. It's that they have to hide part of who they are. And that makes them a worse athlete. Or rather, being open and honest makes them a better athlete. Tom Daly said very much the same thing. He'd become a much better Olympic diver after he was out and open. And to be clear, it's not like being out and open suddenly makes you run faster. Really what it is, is it allows you to have better connections with your team and your coach and your trainers. And your focus. Yeah. yeah. You your know, brain's not muddled down with yeah. all the... Problem, you know, your own problems. professional sport and um, competitive sort of athleticism, it is almost as much about the mind of the focus and the concentration. And as the social it is the, aspect. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I bring this up because Joshua Cavolo from, uh, I believe it's Adelaide in, uh, in <coughs> Australia, is now the first oh. and only oh. openly gay professional football player in the world. And I'm referring to soccer here, not uh, American football. I was going to ask, because like, yeah. I don't know what Australia does. Really? Are, are, yeah. are we specifically talking about FIFA? Yeah, yeah. The only one in uh, in the world. So Are he... we ignoring the, like, two-thirds lesbian American FIFA team? <laughs> well, maybe I should say men's. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was actually the, the U.S. Um, Olympic soccer team had, like, three or four openly lesbian Jess uh, is having a real giggle about that observation yeah. <laughs> so uh, he issued a uh, tweet statement and one of the things that he said that really jumped it out of me and uh, I'll read it here I'll quote it for the people that know me personally you'll know I'm a private person mm. growing up I've always felt the need to hide myself because I was ashamed ashamed I would never be able to do what I loved and be gay hiding who I truly am to pursue a dream I always wished for as a kid, to play football and be treated equally, never felt like a reality. Being a gay closeted footballer, I've had to learn to mask my feelings in order to fit the mold of a professional footballer. Growing up gay and playing football were just two worlds that hadn't crossed paths before. I've lived my life assuming that this was a topic never to be spoken about. Um, Truly incredible statement here from uh, from Josh Cavallo. Um, and I think it really speaks to that struggle, that individual struggle that these gay footballers are, or gay athletes in any, any sport uh, are struggling with. Mm. But I believe it'll make him a stronger football player for having come out. I think, I think uh, there's going to be a whole ton of um, sponsorship opportunities there. Because, um, I, I mean, that's the thing that made Beckham pretty famous. Apart from being a really good footballer, was his relationship with the press and with uh, sponsorship. And 
I know this is like a pretty cold way of looking at it, but for him to bring in the cold hard cash of sponsorship deals from people who normally would not sponsor a football player. And now all of a sudden they're like, well, hey, here's something different that we can get behind. Like, it's, I don't know, maybe I've been watching too much Deep Space Nine lately and I've got Ferengis on the brain, but it's like <laughs> there are so many opportunities here that they're missing out on that it's just like the number of places they could get like cold, hard cash. You're developing the lobes for business. I'm getting the lobes for business, yeah. But it's, even beyond that, I mean, it is shocking that, like, I swore there was some... British League or something like that, that there was a male football player out there somewhere. But I may have been thinking about, uh, well, I mean, rugby is pretty gay, but I may have been thinking about, um, like, basketball or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that that there are none, because you're right, statistically it doesn't add up, so. Yeah, I mean, he goes on to say... It's also the world's most played sport. It is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, that's also, like, double alarming. Yeah. Yeah. He goes on to say, it is astonishing to know that there are currently no gay professional footballers who are out Mm. and actively playing, not only in Australia, but around the world. Hopefully this will change in the near future. I hope that in sharing who I am, I can show others who identify as LGBTQ+, that they are welcome in the football community as the game of football keeps expanding. I want to help evolve the game even further and let other players in my situation feel they are not alone. It was interesting that you mentioned, you know, it's, I believe it's the most played sport yeah. in the world. Yeah, because it's, all you need is a ball. Yeah. The, you don't even need a net. You can just set up two uh, bottles and, like, there's the goal. Try to get it between these. Like, it's it's a really affordable sport, which is one of the reasons why it's just spread out all across the world. It's not even about, like, impoverished countries or something like that. It's like 10-year-olds want to play a game. They've got three bucks pocket money. They all pull it together. They get a ball. Congratulations. You got a sport going. Yeah. Like, it is the most accessible sport out there. Well, I mean... It, assuming you have physical accessibility but i mean beyond that like it's it is a very easy sport to get involved with and the rules are easy it's very simple it's not complicated it's fast paced it's not like baseball where you fall asleep halfway through and then you realize you didn't miss anything and oh you mean cricket oh god same thing <laughs> oh but you know what jumps out at me is for those hundreds of thousands if not millions of young kids mm. who are learning soccer or football um to look up and see, you know, maybe I could have a career. Maybe I'm good enough to compete locally, nationally, and maybe even internationally. Mm. But to see that that door was firmly closed for every gay kid mm-hmm. because they just did not exist until last week. You know, openly gay football players did not exist. And I think what he's done is is opened the door for you know, young people all over the world to be able to be themselves and enjoy the sport that they love and pursue their dreams of professional, um, you know, becoming a professional footballer. I think that's what it does. I mean, I don't think this is so much about Josh Cavallo more than it is about cracking open that ceiling and and sort of opening the doors. Again, for the men. Yeah. For the men, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that was uh, that was that sort of. He becomes the first openly gay A League player in the world. Sidebar: I forgot to mention that Kelowna BC is celebrating their twenty fifth anniversary uh, for their Pride. Yes, yeah, uh, Pride last year in Kelowna was cancelled because of the 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 Corona, um, and yeah, this is 
great news to see that Kelowna Pride happened this year. They have one of the latest prides in the country. In October? Yeah. Ooh. Like they're they're like they're they're milking the uh the summer season to, to close out. I always thought it was Peterborough or, or um that had the last one. And I think uh, Mont Tremblant has one in February, which would be the first pride. Of the if year. you're from the part of BC that only has one season, that season being damp, uh, I could see just holding pride whenever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. They don't really have a summer or a winter in no. certain parts. Yeah. They, you're, I think damp is the best way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To all our BC listeners, yeah. uh, we've just <laughs> described you as damp. damp. It's not everywhere. <laughs> There's a few valleys where they just it never particularly snows and it doesn't really warm up in the summer. It's just always damp. I like I like I like hidden seasons like there's that season between winter and spring that Napoleon figured uh, forgot about which is why he lost the war and they, they simply call it mud in mm. Russia and then in Japan they have a season between uh, spring and summer that they just call big wind <laughs> <laughs> and I learned this because I got to school one day and I was covered in black because they were like mixing potash into the farms I live I was surrounded by carrot farms where I lived. And I was like, what the hell is happening? And they're like, oh, it's just big wind. It'll only last a week. And it's just every year. Just the wind never stops. It's what do you do where wind parker, windbreaker? You just live with it. Mm. Have an umbrella pointed upwind. It's like in Montreal, they have that season between Christmas and Christmas called construction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That. yeah, yeah. Uh, there was interesting news um, in the world of HIV. Uh, Excision Biotherapeutics has had approval to use CRISPR technology, uh, which is gene editing. Yeah. And essentially what they want to do is go into HIV, into the virus, and clip multiple parts of the virus. Because the reason why HIV, there is no cure for HIV. Mm. Because um, it constantly adapts. Oh, there's that weird treatment that may or may not cure you of it, but it could also kill you, where they just replace all your blood. There's that yeah, like, yeah. really weird... The full shock to the system treatment. Yeah, that, yeah. that's the last-ditch effort of nothing else is working, and you are treatment-resistant, and screw it, let's see if it works. And since the 80s, there's been a few dozen people who have just miraculously... Remissed, yeah. Yeah, just like removed HIV of their own accord. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, people haven't quite figured out how. Well, I mean, it would, your body can fight off viruses. And it's just HIV is difficult to fight because it infects the immune system. And it hides and yeah. it multiplies and then it'll come back up again. But yeah. then it, it's sort of, it's, it's a very crafty virus. Yeah. In the body. It's a very crafty virus in the body. So essentially what um, Excision Biotherapeutics is going to try and do is to go in and clip uh, the, the genome, I suppose, of the uh, HIV in multiple places mm -hmm. to stop its ability mm -hmm. to replicate. And it's because HIV is so good at replicating, mm -hmm. which is why it's incredibly difficult to get rid of. Yeah. But they're going to go in splice that DNA of the HIV yep. and stop it dead in its tracks of uh, being able to replicate and potentially mm -hmm. therefore cure HIV. Well, I mean, this is this is one of those places where if this works, we could uh, eliminate a whole bunch of viruses from humanity because the, the basic idea is to just like snip apart the virus. This is uh, this is good. This is very good. 
Science. Yeah. So we'll see how this goes. It is. Uh, it's an emerging. Um, it's an emerging story. They've they've got approval to to make it work. So okay. or to to test it. So we'll see how that uh, how that rolls. They're out. probably going to start off by doing it in like rabbits and mice, and uh, if a rabbit turns into a uh, sentient superpower being, then we know that we may have found uh, more of a Marvel Comics plotline than in Care for HIV. But I'm willing to bet that that's not what's going to happen. We'll see. So the uh, Million Mums groups uh, have been up in arms about a series of adverts that have the circulated. Million Mums group that has like the Millions Mothers of America or something like that that only has a couple thousand members. Yeah, they are, they are by no means a Million Mums. No. It's, it's such a misnomer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, they are up in arms over a series of um, adverts. There was one from a car guru company that featured a whole bunch of different people buying cars, including one gay couple. What is a car guru? I think it just helps you buy cars and cars and car insurance. What? Why don't you just use Google? Because they, they, it's their business model. Well, some people don't, not looking at myself, but 100% looking at myself, don't know anything about vehicles. <laughs> so if so there was a guru other humans in your life to find you a vehicle oh because you are not capable. Okay, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think there was also a mattress, uh, a mattress ad recently, and it was like just a montage of different couples falling asleep in, in on mattresses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Implications there, mattresses. I know. Mm-hmm. And then Doritos also had a, a really interesting ad run in Mexico. I don't think the Million Mums were upset about this particular ad because they aren't in, really in Mexico. Um, but it was it was giving me like... Um, Why would they have Doritos ads in Mexico? They have Takis. Why would you eat Doritos when you have Takis? Maybe Doritos end? wants to sell Doritos in Mexico. Sell their inferior product in a foreign market oh my god so anyway well, the, somebody's got an opinion yeah i know the doritos ad is actually very quite touching okay it is, it's a beautiful ad um it's sort of a day of the dead theme it reminds me of i want to see is it coco the the pixar disney movie where uh, it's around the day of the dead it's sort of of that style i mean yes but i would say you got the arrow backwards that coco reminds you of dios de sus muertos yeah whatever yeah <laughs> um but yeah it's interesting because uh you know uh, a long lost anyway look up the ad it's worth watching uh-huh. and then the last one that i think has raised eyebrows and i don't know if we talked about it when it came out but uh, John Lewis, which is one of, it's a very high-end uh, store chain in the UK. Okay. And they always have the best Christmas adverts. Like, they are the ones that define, they, they always win the best advert for the Christmas season in Britain, because they are usually fantastic. Um, they released an ad for their insurance company that just had a boy... And it was, they were singing along to um, uh, The Edge of Seventeen by Stevie Nicks and just dancing and just living his best life, wearing, you know, having raided his mother's makeup, just wearing a ridiculous outfit, running around, just feeling his oats and uh, knocking stuff over. Feeling his oats? You know, it's a, it's a, you you are too old to understand that reference. Um, They are just like knocking things over. I don't understand it either. And (laughs) making a mess. I'm going to keep going here. 
And uh, a lot of people were annoyed because they were alleging that it sexualized this young boy. Mm-hmm. Um, they were saying that, you know, I'm this sorry, is... sorry, the makeup sexualized him? Yeah, the okay. gender nonconformity of it, and they were all very upset. I just thought it was a very heartwarming ad of this young boy really enjoying The Edge of Seventeen by Stevie Nicks. Uh, Stevie Nicks tweeted that she also thought it was a great ad. Um... John Lewis has now pulled the ad, and people thought it was because of the backlash around this boy. But the actual reason they've pulled the ad is because all of the damage the boy did as he was running around, like, you know, jamming out Mm -hmm. to Edge of Seventeen, are not necessarily covered by their insurance. Okay. (laughs) Oh, so it's just misleading. So the insurance company like pulled the that. insurance That's a ad. Better reason to pull your I was ad. like, that is a great reason yeah. to pull pull your insurance ad because it doesn't cover all the damages. <laughs> I mean, I I, I have, I've gotten very good at skipping ads, and like if I'm on YouTube and there's an unskippable ad, I will just close it and reopen it until I come across an ad that is Yeah. Um, I am very out of date on on advertising. Well, I also ignore them, but uh, I do know that there is one that I will always love, and it's in my heart deeply. And it's a Canadian ad from Leon's that I know that my mom, if she's listening, will crack out laughing. Which is the oh, I just love werewolf show tunes. For me, it's the house hippo. <laughs> the house. Oh yes, oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, the peanut butter. Yeah. It's always going to be the house hippo for me. The... I love showing it to non Canadians, and they're like, "Oh my god, what is going on in Canada? Is this real?" Is <laughs> it like uh, it was the? It, it's funny you said it. I believe it was ad standards or something. It was about yeah, you can't advertising Yeah, exactly. All right, we're going to jump to Make Me a Drink uh, by Nimkish. Um, not to actually go make me a drink, but the song is called Make Me a Drink. Uh, are by we in a hair of the dog mood, or are we in a coffee mood? Oh, I don't know. I need, uh, I need, a, need, more I need a beverage with a kick mood. Uh, uh, we will be back just after this. Somewhere uptown, my friends are all cooped up like me. Most nights I'm wasted, wasting time to set me free It's getting lonely in this hideout Would you recognize these lines upon my face? I will see you once it's over find comfort in the quiet of it all and I will let you hold me till the end of time close signs hang low now from the windows on Queen Street But listen closely, you can hear the ocean breathe I've been missing real connection But the stars are brighter now and summer's on its way I will 
once it's over We'll make music in the madness of it all And I will let you hold me Till the end of time If you could hold me Would you hold me? I wish you'd hold me now If you could hold me Would you hold me? I wish you'd hold me now I will see you once it's over Solace in the silence of it all We'll come out of it much stronger And I will let you hold me Till the end of Let you hold me Till the end of I will let you hold me Till the end of time Hello and welcome back to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. I'm Sebastian. I'm Jess. Um, did you know that Rupert Everett has uh, written and cast, including himself inside it, a semi-autobiographical film called Lost and Found in Paris. Mm -hmm. uh, apparently when he was uh, much, much younger, he was a bit of a handful, so his mother shipped him off to Paris to go live with his aunt, uh, where he was, you know, discovering that he was gay, um, sort of learning about his sexuality. I can't remember... It was in the 70s, so he's now 62, so the movie will be set in the 70s, mm -hmm. um, about kind of coming out as gay in Paris in the 70s, uh, autobiographical biopic about Rupert Everett. I will be giving that a bit of a watch. I've always found Rupert Everett an interesting actor. I'm moderately tepid about biopics, mm. unless they're period pieces, actually. Um, things like uh, Amadeus and La Rodance and that kind of thing. I love that stuff. Well, it sounds pretty specifically like a period piece, though. So yeah. They're like France <laughs> yeah. in the 70s. That's mm -hmm. pretty particular. Well, so. Raise the Red Lanterns. It's a Chinese period piece. So, I mean, like, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm into that stuff. But, like, I don't know. Well, the other interesting sort of movie-related news that I saw recently is... Um, Chloe Zhao, who directed The Eternals, which I believe is coming out sort of around now-ish, mm -hmm. um, apparently had, in, in a conversation she had with Indie Wire, uh, apparently had uh, meetings with Marvel um, about their distribution of The Eternals. Mm -hmm. uh, because The Eternals features um, one of Marvel's first openly gay superheroes, with a husband, with a child. Okay. And it's an actual plot point okay. in the movie. Like, Chloe Zhao is like, this is actually relevant information for mm. character development, for, for contextualizing the, the sort of emotional arc of the movie. And what she was worried about is 
there is a very consistent habit of Russian, Chinese, and Saudi censors just clipping out yeah. anything gay. Yeah. So and if that's a main part of the movie, well, you're going to have no movie left. I mean, this is one of the things that uh, John Boyega discovered when he started looking at the distribution of Star Wars in China. Because he, he always thought the way that, that the thin character in the Star Wars movies was kind of clunky. And then he discovered it was clunky because uh, they filmed it in a way that, no, they edited it in a way that if you were to just clip out John Boyega, it wouldn't change the movie that much so that they could remove black folks from certain overseas releases. Uh, and they've been doing that with uh, LGBT represent, representation as well. They're, they're, if they include it, they include it in a way that if you remove that scene altogether, it doesn't change the plot. So that kind of throwaway... And, and people have noticed. And uh, I vaguely... It's one of those things where it's like, you don't notice it, but your brain does kind of situations. Yeah. Um, and then John Boyega pointed it out. And I was like, hot dang. Like, that's a smart dude. Mm -hmm. He was really good in Attack the Block. Yes. Yeah. What was really interesting about her comments to IndieWire is she said that the family dynamic there, uh, the story has to feel authentic and real. The audience has to care about the family to be able to feel the, the, the impacts mm -hmm. of, of as the story develops. And she goes on to say, otherwise, there's no point in putting that on screen. She's essentially said that mm. without those key parts of the story, yeah. you're missing out on the actual story. The audience isn't isn't developing those connections. Now, Russia had clipped out the gay sex in the Elton John biopic Rocketman. Mm. Uh, they had cut out the queer character in Onward, which was um, uh, Lena Waithe voiced a lesbian cop in that, mm -hmm. um, which was distributed by Disney. So, I don't know, we don't know yet mm -hmm. whether or not the international censors have chopped up the Eternals movie, mm -hmm. but it was really interesting. This is, I think, maybe one of the first times where we're hearing um, the director, the filmmakers, really advocating in a major big-budget film mm -hmm. for it not to be um, cut at international markets. It probably will, but it's worth the effort. It's yeah. worth trying. Kudos for bringing yeah. that up. Sure. Yeah. Well, the ball is in Marvel's court because, of course, they don't have to give it to Russia yeah. to to put into the theaters. I was actually just thinking, like, something that occurred to me over the last week. Because last episode I mentioned that I've never actually read a comic other than a graphic novel. And it actually occurred to me over the past week. Because I was watching Doom Patrol and there are certain characters from Sandman that showed up. And I have read all of Sandman. So I actually have engaged in the comic book culture. But anyway... Um, there actually is uh, a lot of representation of gay couples in uh, Marvel media, and for that, I would definitely want to point out uh, Legion. I don't know if you've ever seen that, uh, but imagine like if if like David Lynch uh, directed something uh, produced by Wes Anderson, and it's just like all these like weird high concept things. But anyway, Legion is. Um, it's just a show of, you know, the usual thing, like, am I crazy or am I a mutant? Mm. Legion is basically someone who's both. Um, so that's the basic story. But anyway, one of the, like, secret agents who has to, like, hunt him down, he has a, a husband and a kid at home, and that actually turns into a major plot point at one point. And they're like, why were you hiding this? And he's like, well, none of your business. Mm. So, I mean, it was, they integrated it in such a beautiful and perfect way, and that character was such a wonderful flip where he, he was presented detestably at first, and then you realize over time he's like the only good person on the show. So it, it was just, it was marvel marvelous. Marvel, there you go. 
It was a marvel. I, I recommend it either way, but it's a, it's a hard watch. So a few weeks ago, we talked about how Italy didn't actually have any uh, anti-discrimination uh, legislation for a whole bunch of things, including gender, um, and in particular, LGBT hate crimes. They have no anti-hate crime legislation. The lower house in Italy did pass legislation that introduced it. Unfortunately, the Italian Senate just killed off that legislation. Mm. So it'll be interesting. Italy remains with no anti-LGBT hate crime legislation, but we'll keep an eye on how that story develops and and maybe they'll introduce something new. Um, We've been pushing this to the end of the show because it is not great news. Uh, A bill has been introduced in Ghana, which um, the World Congress of Families, I believe, were partly behind writing it. Um, oh which God. is a um, a grouping of sort of evangelical groups out of the United States, okay. to no surprise, and uh, also Russia. Um, but now it's it's really heavily powered by Probably one or two members from Central or South America. Mm-hmm. But if it's largely American led, that does not shock me. Yeah, uh, they apparently are behind. The, the same person who was behind this was behind California's Prop Eight to end equal marriage in, mm. in California. Um, they have been really exporting the anti-gay hate worldwide. Mm. And they have created, and Gamma has introduced to Parliament, a bill that has been uh, coined the most homophobic thing ever written. In Ghana, it is punishable by up to three years in prison currently Mm. for engaging in same sex. What they're planning to introduce um, will essentially expand that to five years and you could also face up to 10 years in prison, I believe, for advocating for gay rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you found out something about fruit was also <laughs> one of those. <laughs> no, that was um, the uh, sex of any variety that does not involve a penis going into a vagina will be punishable by law. To which I said, what about teenagers and their weird habits with fruit? Yeah. Uh, of of both sexes, quite frankly. Right. Or all sexes, I should like, say. Nobody has nice things. Well, nobody has nice things, and, you know, teenagers get up to stuff when their hormones start raging, and uh, that's going to be punishable by law now, that, like, you know, if, if, if some 16-year-old gets a pumpkin for their own entertainment, then they can go to prison for that, which is, granted, it's peculiar, but, like, this is, you're getting into weird levels of oppression when this is the law that's on the books. It is, they seem to be going about completely shutting down any conversation. The promotion of proper human sexual rights in Ghanaian Family Values Bill 2021, Mm. which is the name of the act, um, would even go so far as to be able to prosecute websites and social media companies that promote anything other than, you know, despising and hating the gays. Yeah. Like, if it's remotely, even if it's neutral almost, uh, you know, that's that's not good enough in terms of being um, anti-gay. Yeah. It will be interesting to see what the government of Canada is going to do. Don't forget that the Western world sends a lot of money yeah. to Ghana. There's a lot of trade that yeah. happens with Ghana. Well, even other African nations, because, like, South Africa and... Uh, not Egypt. There is somewhere in the north. But there are a few places that are starting to get a little bit more, if not gay-friendly and, and really good for human rights, they're, they're getting kind of neutral, at least. Actually, no, it was Botswana. Botswana's doing some things where they're, they're trying really hard to improve uh, social acceptance. Um, 
So, I mean, yes, absolutely, the, the international scene, the UN, that kind of thing, but their own neighbors as well may look at them and go like, whoa, well, dude, bridge too far. It seems like it may not be the neighbors, but it may be the church. Mm. Just about every archbishop in the Anglican Church in Britain, including yeah. the Archbishop of Canterbury, um, has effectively decried this legislation, saying that it is, uh, you know, not just a step in the wrong direction, it's a full steam run in the wrong direction. Yeah. Like, it is absolutely abhorrent. Uh, UN experts have said that it almost certainly would violate the International Convention on the Universal Declaration of Human Rights mm -hmm. um, and would likely be challenged internationally. Um, you know, I think the church is trying to step up in their opposition to this because it is so resoundingly supported by Galleon churches mm. um, that the, the the other branches of those churches in other countries are like, what are you doing? Yeah, you know, it is very shocking. Well, I don't know. We'll see what uh, what can how Canada responds to this and whether or not they will actually roll this out. Um, but yeah, the Archbishop of Canterbury, the UN, and international donors are all hoping that this will stop. However, there, are, there is a belief that there are enough MPs in favour of this legislation in the Parliament that it is likely to pass, mm. um, unless there's major pushback. Um, and in addition, one of the MPs threatened to storm the Parliament with 10,000 of his followers if it wasn't passed. Oh my goodness. So it really is a, a hot button issue in Ghana, um, and we'll see how things move on. Well, we have run out of time on that, you know, wonderful note of uh, storming a parliament. Are we going to go drink coffee and eat something fried? Absolutely. Yeah. We're playing out with Katie Lang and Oval Pax and Miss Charlene. This is the Iron Hoof remix. It's a little bit more movie and shaky than the previous songs uh, to help. <laughs> Um, move and shake us. Yeah. Absolutely. I have been Luke Smith. And I've been Sebastian. And I'm Justin. And thank you for listening. Just a kiss. Just a kiss. I have lived.
just a kiss 